0: This book um, and and this whole story of this country really come back to that question of how people relate to their government and, and to their leaders and what is in the social contract, how is it honored and, and how does it evolve um, for both sides. And that's something that I have tried to explore really directly with this book. And I think it's something that people Whether they're interested in Algeria specifically or just interested in kind of history and human society, I think it's something that we can all learn a little bit from.
1: On this episode of The Creator Community, we'll meet Andrew Farrand, thinker, leader, creator, senior fellow at the Atlantic Council, and now published author. We'll follow Andrew's journey from growing up in Maryland, to living in Algeria for seven years, to hosting a reality TV show there for entrepreneurs. We'll also learn much about this geographically massive country and how we have much more in common in the West with youth of Algeria than we might ever imagine. We'll also explore Andrew's journey that ultimately led him to publishing his new book, The Algerian Dream, Youth, and the Quest for Dignity. Check out the show. Welcome to the second season of the Creator Community. This is a new podcast series from book publisher New Degree Press or NDP. I'm your host, John Saunders, founder of Ford Advisory Solutions. The show is designed to celebrate, elevate, and showcase many of the incredible authors that have published their books with NDP. This year, 2021, New Degree Press will cross over 1,000 published authors. In this show, we get to know the authors and their books, as well as give you a behind the scenes look at their author journey. We'll find out what it takes to bring a book from an idea. To actually being published and available wherever you buy books online. It's far from easy, but certainly attainable. Today, I have with me Andrew Farrand. Andrew is the author of The Algerian Dream, Youth, and the Quest for Dignity. Andrew was born and raised in the United States, is proficient in Algerian Arabic, and a French speaker. Farron lived and worked in Algeria from 2013 to 2020, implementing youth development programs across the country alongside a range of creative products. In 2020, he served as the host of Andy Holm, I Have a Dream, Algeria's first entrepreneurship reality television show. He is well-known in Algeria as a travel writer, photographer, and media personality, and my guess is soon to be well-known in the U.S. as well. Andrew's book has an early September 2021 targeted publishing date and will be available then whenever you buy books online. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks, John. It's great to be here with you. Really a pleasure to have you. It has uh, been quite a journey you have uh, behind you here, my friend, a guy who grew up in the U.S., and spent a bunch of years in Algeria, and I think now living in Germany, if I recall. Yeah, uh, that's right. Can we start off with maybe just a little bit about your background and your journey, and you know, how
0: did you navigate to where you are, Andrew? Sure. Yeah, it's a bit of an unusual uh, story. So I am from Baltimore, Maryland, and I went to uh, school at Georgetown University in Washington, D.C., uh, well-known for international relations, and, and that's what I studied, along with a number of languages, Got very interested in the Middle East and North Africa and, and was able to start uh, traveling pretty pretty young in my life. So I was lucky to get to explore some places in that region. And then in 2013, I had the opportunity to move to Algeria for my work in international development. And I did not hesitate. I, I took the chance um, Shipped off and had an amazing experience there that I am really excited to be bringing to wider audiences around the world now today.
1: That's awesome. And what was it about Algeria that you thought would be interesting?
0: Yeah, it's a really unusual place in many ways. That is culturally very, uh, very vibrant, but but very different from the United States. Uh, at the same time. I felt such a connection with people there uh, in many ways, perhaps unexpectedly, but um, there were so many things that I felt like we had in common. And that's a big theme of, of, of the book in many ways, uh, is just how many things I think are surprisingly similar between people on different sides of the world. But I was very attracted to the, to the culture. Uh, it's a beautiful country as well. So I had a great time when I was there exploring and just getting to meet people and getting to hear their stories.
1: You've got quite an uh, Instagram page I've looked at with a bunch of fantastic photos of the country. It looks absolutely gorgeous.
0: Yeah, I spent a lot of time when I was there doing photography, and uh, that was pretty fun just to get to share images of a place that most people in the outside world haven't seen and don't really know anything about. Um, so it was fun to get to, to share those, uh, those images with the outside world.
1: So maybe that would be an interesting point to think about sharing with the audience. You know, where is Algeria for those that may not know? And, and, you know, what else can you tell us about it?
0: Sure. Uh, It's not a place to hear about a lot. So happy to give a little bit more detail. Uh, And maybe now's a good time for us to throw this map up on the screen. Um, I actually got a very talented young Algerian illustrator named Amina Wefa Barais to uh, put this map together for me for my book. It's in the opening pages of the book. And gives you a little sense of where we are talking about in the world. So as you can see, Algeria borders Morocco and Tunisia, places that people have perhaps heard a little bit more about in North Africa. And they are uh, a, a bit more known as tourist destinations, but Algeria right in between them, is much larger and has a tremendous uh, amount of resources and beautiful sites, uh, a really long Mediterranean coastline, and and a huge part of the Sahara Desert is also within Algeria, extending all the way down to the borders of Mali and Niger and sub-Saharan Africa. So Algeria is actually the largest country on the African continent, and it's the 10th largest country in the world. But as I mentioned, it's not a place that most people hear about very often, for a lot of reasons, um, but, but a big place and a fascinating one to explore.
1: That's incredible. So you took a, dare I say, a conventional path, if you will, to finding your way to Algeria, studying international relations, having some exposure to North Africa, finding the opportunity to go there. And I find it interesting that you found this connection with, you know, with the people, you know, maybe that, you know, what, what are the people like? What was that common kind of connection that you found there?
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's a tough question to answer because they're actually in such a big place. There's there's a wide variety and it's there's an incredible diversity of people. But I think that there's a few things that really knit them together. Um, there's a really strong degree of patriotism in Algeria. People are incredibly proud to be Algerian and feel a very strong connection to their country often. They also are very, I would say... Um, just a very dynamic people. And there's a really strong entrepreneurial spirit, a really strong um, spirit of just getting things done and finding your own solutions. And uh, so Algerians are very resourceful as well. Um, And I just think that they had a, had a lot to, uh, to share with, with me and and with the outside world. So that was what I found so fascinating uh, when I was there uh, during those years.
1: Patriotic country that has, you know, tremendous amount of oceanfront property on it, big oil exporting country. You know, why don't we hear more about Algeria? Why why is it such a mystery to so much of the world, do you think?
0: Well, Algeria is a place that had a very troubled history uh, and a a lot of, I would say a lot of difficulties with the outside world for a long period, um, specifically the colonial period. Algeria was a French colony for about 130 years. And so, that experience uh, was incredibly destructive uh, and incredibly disruptive to a lot of the social traditions that were there. So Algeria came out of that experience in the early 1960s uh, with a really deep sort of trauma. And they, I think since then, have have really tried to focus on self-sufficiency and, and turned inward a little bit uh, politically. So that's a big part of the reason why the government isn't out there trying to sell itself, trying to invite uh, tourists the way that some of its neighbors are. So as a result, many of us in, in the U.S. and other places uh, don't really hear very much about it. But at the same time, it's a place that sometimes crops up in the news, as it did in 2019 most recently. And it's uh, a place that's really dynamic and has a lot to share with the world. But sometimes it takes a little work to get in there and, and, and really... Uh, learn to understand it.
1: Well, we heard a little bit about what makes the the country special. It's a beautiful place. It's on the ocean. They've got this beautiful entrepreneurship spirit. You know, did how did the Arab Spring impact Algeria and the region over there?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, the Arab Spring ten years ago was obviously a, a huge event for the region. Uh, started in neighboring Tunisia and and went across the whole region with a lot of very positive and very negative repercussions, uh, but it really changed everywhere it touched. And one of the funny things is that it didn't really touch Algeria in the same way as as many other countries nearby. And that's part of uh, the story of Algeria just being on a different historical trajectory than many of its neighbors. And in fact, you had a lot of the same challenges and frustrations in Algeria, but they uh, had bubbled up in earlier periods. And in this case, they bubbled up a little bit later. So during the time that I was there, I saw frustration sort of building around difficulties in daily life, around difficulties with government services. And Algeria experienced a sort of mini revolution in 2019, uh, mass street protests that led to a change in government. And um, for a period, really seemed to challenge this relationship between citizens and and their leaders uh, across the entire country.
1: Wow. So there was a bit of an uprising, right? People were trying to understand what was going on. There was this overhang of this trauma from the 60s of decolonization, as you said. And uh, you you think about trauma for individuals, but I don't know if they've ever thought about it on a country level. That's a fascinating perspective to me. And now you see this
0: It's a a really big factor there um, in Algeria dating back to the 60s. And the other thing that I didn't mention is that the country had a civil war uh, in the 1990s that was incredibly destructive as well. And so you have, in some ways, multiple layers of, of trauma and this very dark past to the country that nobody is interested in returning to. So this was also a factor in why the country... Uh, did not follow the same trajectory during the Arab Spring as many of its neighbors. But today, we have a country that is extremely young. And this is a huge factor in Algeria and in the events that are happening there today. About two-thirds of Algerians are under 35. And so their memory of the challenges of the 1990s, much less the period earlier in the decolonization process, those memories are, are quite faint if they have them at all. And so for many people, um, there's a much more forward looking perspective. And so people are looking for a lot of the same services and benefits and luxuries and, and just general, um, you know, nice things that they see people around the world enjoying. And as a result of the fact that Algeria is so connected to the outside world now, thanks to the internet, many people are really um, just comparing themselves to the outside world and and trying to, um, I think, see their own country rise up to the level of development that they're seeing around the world. And that's a very understandable and, and very natural Uh, feeling for people to have. But, of course, if you're in a different environment where the government perhaps is not as responsive to your concerns, this can get quite frustrating. And so Algeria does have some of the same dynamics of the countries around it, but sometimes on a different schedule. And uh, so it's been interesting to watch, uh, you know, firsthand to see those dynamics evolving and to see where they've led. Uh, I was lucky to be in Algeria in 2019 to observe this uprising firsthand and to talk with many of my young Algerian friends about what they were feeling and why they were going out into the streets. And a lot of those conversations are what I tried to channel in this book.
1: So, You've got this young generation that's getting more access to information. The government's not stopping that, which I would call a positive. They're looking around the world and saying, hey, why can't we have that? Well, you know, they don't have this past tethered to the 60s, if you will, the colonization period. They want to move forward. So taking all of these thoughts and pulling them together, you know, what, what was it about this or why did this drive you to write this book? You could have just moved moved on to your next point in your career, and you know, not written a book about it, Andrew. You know, why this book? Why does he have to get it out there?
0: yeah, I really felt an obligation almost to write this book after having spent so much time getting to know a country that has very few foreigners uh, in it and and very few, especially English speakers who write about and focus on this country. it It felt like a great opportunity in the sense that there was kind of a gap in the market. But it also felt, like I said, like an obligation to share what I had learned with the outside world. And so that's what i was was trying to do with this book is is to really um, share some information about a place that that people don't hear about very often.
1: And what was it about Algeria in particular? Let's get into the book a little bit. You know, what is the book about? What is that story that you want to get out there and tell?
0: Sure. Well, let's start with the title. The book is called The Algerian Dream, and it's called that for a reason. Uh, You and I grew up in the United States knowing this phrase, the American dream, this idea that we can work hard and maybe struggle a bit, but we're going to get ahead. We're probably going to live a better life than our parents lived. And then maybe our kids will be able to live a better life than us. And there's a lot of details and facets and complications to that. But that idea is really something that's very central to our national identity as Americans. And it's also something that we talk about with people around the world and that people around the world also have in mind when they think about the United States, whatever they think of the country or of that idea it's something that everybody kind of has in mind. And what I wanted to do with this book was to understand what the Algerian dream was. And it was a question that I had been posing to myself all throughout my years there was what's kind of the Algerian equivalent of that idea? What are people chasing in the country? And through my time there, and then through the process of reflecting on it, as I wrote this book, I came up with a list of eight key pillars that I think are central to what Algerians are looking for uh, in their lives.
1: And these are key pillars uh, that you found largely in the the younger generations that you were doing work with. Is that right?
0: Yeah, there are things that I think exist among every generation there, but the younger generation just has this very particular perspective uh, on the world, given that they've grown up in an age of satellite television and now the internet. uh, They really have a different view on the world Still very connected to their traditions and still very much Algerian, uh, but with a little bit of a different flavor to it. And and so in the book, I try to explore some of these uh, different themes and there's a wide range. It's how they view politics. It's how they view the country's economy and their place and their ability to get a job or start a business. Uh, And also touching on other elements like their sense of identity and and how they connect with their country and their community, as well as uh, how they spend their free time, uh, all sorts of things uh, around their lives, their communities, their homes. So it's a book that covers a wide range of topics. And that's perhaps uh, not a surprise given that it's a big country and and this is a complicated topic. you know, place to write about and a complicated set of issues.
1: Complicated country with a, a, you know, certainly a challenging history, not unlike other countries. But, you know, you focus around the youth the youth of Algeria, right? And that's where the focus of the book is on. You know, could, you talked about these eight concepts, uh, eight pillars. You know, what, are, what are some of the dreams you saw and heard about when you were over there?
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of, um, there's a lot to talk about in many of these areas, but just to give a couple of examples, uh, you mentioned in the introduction, I was able to, uh, I had the opportunity when I was in Algeria to be the host of a television show that was focused on entrepreneurship. So this was one particular area that I spent a lot of time looking at. And during that show, I was working with these 60 young Algerian entrepreneurs who came to the show with an idea and we put them through lots of challenges and, and gave them lots of coaching. To kind of see who would, who would emerge on top, but really it was about giving them all exposure. And that was one of the biggest challenges that many young Algerians face is they're unknown. Um, they face a huge amount of red tape in trying to launch a business. And the government in many ways makes the task of entrepreneurship, which is hard in any country, even harder in Algeria. So that show was about trying to give them a leg up by giving them a little bit of exposure, um, but that's just one area where there is a clear kind of desire among young people to succeed in their project, to launch their business. Uh, but the economic and, and social and particularly bureaucratic obstacles are are really great. So I spent a lot of time with uh, many young Algerians talking about their their uh, business dreams in the course of that show and, and before and after it. And uh, I found that they had incredible ideas. People also have incredible energy. There are so much talent uh, in, in a country this big. And it's unfortunate that so many of them face uh, such serious obstacles, but there are some success stories occasionally. So, you know, that was a, that was one area that I, that I dug into quite a bit and, and that I detail in the book as well.
1: This concept of entrepreneurship, wanted to create their own path, unfortunately, the hurdle that the government puts in front of them sounds like a challenging one. Uh, is there maybe a success story you could share where they were able to overcome the, the red tape and bureaucracy and get an idea off the ground?
0: Yeah, there, there are definitely some success stories. Um, and I think I could, you know, I, I have a couple in mind uh, among the contestants of that show. There's also a number of friends of mine who, who have uh, launched businesses in Algeria, so Lots of examples to draw on. I think ultimately what is um, the really difficult part is that so many of these businesses, if they do manage to get it off the ground, it's it's really hard to sustain it. Um, it's a very competitive environment. It's sometimes a corrupt environment. So a really difficult place to, to keep a business alive. Uh, so I know people in food service. I know people in communications, uh, all, all different areas. Um, but it's a real struggle in, in this environment to, uh, to just sustain your venture. And, and this is the case in entrepreneurship, but this is the case in, in many other aspects of life. And these are the sources really of the frustration that drove people into the streets in 2019. It's, how come I'm working so hard and I'm doing everything I have to be doing and it's still not working out? And I can see that it's working out for people in other countries My friends in Europe, my friends in Tunisia next door, my friends in North America, they're able to succeed and I'm not. It just doesn't seem fair.
1: Are they seeing, given that, are they starting to see, maybe it's been happening, an immigration pattern of people moving out?
0: Definitely. There's a huge Algerian diaspora around the world. Uh, Some incredibly talented people who unfortunately are are, um, not able or willing to, given the circumstances in, in their home country, to pour those talents back into Algeria. And I think that's that's quite unfortunate when you do look at that incredible pool of human resources they have. To see so much of it going abroad is a real uh, shame, but it is an incredibly talented population. You have Algerians in Silicon Valley, you have Algerians at NASA, you have Algerians all across the world doing incredible things in, in business for their communities. Um, and many of them wish they could be doing it back in Algeria a few Algerians around the world who have dreams of going back home and starting a business, starting a new venture, uh, contributing to their their home country. But if you feel like you can't speak your mind freely, if you feel like you're not going to be able to get that business off the ground, um, it's not a very exciting proposition right now to, to head home. And I think this is something that Algeria is going to struggle with in the long term is how do you get the conditions right so that people want to return and and build their lives and, and their future in their home country?
1: Uh, what a fascinating story and depth of it. And it can't help me make me wonder how many, how much we take for granted those things in, in the United States, where sort of the those table stakes are already solved for, right? You want to start a business, go ahead, right? A couple hundred bucks and you can get an LLC set up and, and off you go. And you know, there's roads and infrastructure and all of these things. Uh, very different story you're facing there today. It's, I'm sure, it's pretty painful for many of them to see, to to want to go back, but not seeing the ability to go back. You know, uh, I found a quote on you that said the New Yorker called you an expert on North Africa. Two quick thoughts here. One, how did that quote come to be? And given your knowledge about North Africa and Algeria, you know, what's going on there today, and, and where do you see it headed?
0: Sure. Uh, to take the first question. I think the uh, advice, especially for any authors or prospective authors out there is always make friends with journalists when you get the chance. That's a useful uh, connection that you can have down the road. Um, I met a, a journalist from the New Yorker uh, in Algeria a number of years back and kept in touch with him. And uh, if you're the guy who's got something to say on a topic, they they need somebody to say something on, uh, on short notice. So that's a good position to be in. So that's how that quote came to be. And then Looking across across the region and um, at, at Algeria today, uh, Algeria is really a little bit stuck. Uh, as I mentioned, they had this uprising in 2019. In the two years since then, uh, protests have continued, but they've kind of been tamped down a bit by the government lately. But Algeria is still facing a lot of the same challenges that it's faced for years and that actually built that frustration and drove people into the streets. So I think you're seeing um, a real digging in of the heels among leaders, uh, a real refusal to change the way that they do business. And in many ways, it's likely that that's going to continue to cause frustration to build. Uh, Just in the last few months, this summer, we've seen a spike among COVID cases, uh, a real... Shortcomings of the of the Algerian medical system have have come to light, um, and then you've seen wildfires, uh, just one challenge after the other. And when you step back and look at it, um, it's clear that this is a bit of a pattern. That there's a, a real pattern of um, challenges arise. Of course, like in any country, but the question is what does what does the state and the leaders uh, what do they do about it? And that's where I think many Algerians feel that that their government has been coming up short. So again, this this book um, and and this whole story of this country really come back to that question of how people relate to their government and and to their leaders and what is in the social contract? How is it honored and and how does it evolve um, for both sides? And that's something that I have tried to explore really directly with this book. And I think it's something that people, whether they're interested in Algeria specifically or just interested in kind of history and human society, I think it's something that we can all learn a little bit from.
1: Sounds like an incredible story of history, of people that want to get ahead, of people that have dreams and goals, but are finding a struggle to get there. In this case, more struggles than we certainly see in the Western world. Uh, Unbelievable. I really uh, find the story fascinating. You know, when you, when you think about your author journey for a moment, you know, Andrew, just going through this whole process of, gosh, I had this idea, I guess it sounds like it was about seven years in the making. You know, it was. <laughs> what What would you say would be an unexpected positive you found in, in going through this journey and writing your book?
0: I think it was... Um... It was a real struggle in many ways to write the book. I think like many authors, I only discovered once I was in the process, uh, just what I had gotten myself into. It's a huge uh, project to write a book. And to write a book about a topic this large was particularly challenging, even though I felt like I knew it very well and and had a lot of exposure and had a lot of notes, um, had a lot to work with. It was a real challenge to figure out how to convert that into a book. Uh, But over... The course of the last year and a half that I was working on this project, uh, I really discovered that I was able through a very long, slow process to to distill what was important and then to find a way to express that that to readers. Um, I hope that people are going to enjoy this book and that it's going to uh, open some people's eyes to, to a very unusual place that most people don't hear about. But already for me, just being at this stage, uh, kind of on the eve of launching the book, it's great to have gotten to this point where I feel like I was able to, to tell the story that I wanted to through a long process and a difficult process, but, but one that, uh, that ultimately, I think delivered a product I was really happy with.
1: That's fantastic. And you know, certainly the coaching, the process, the structure uh, sounds like helped you along the way as well. That- uh... It
0: definitely did. And I should mention uh, one thing in particular about it that was really nice was the flexibility that the NDP uh, process offered me. It's typically a much shorter process. Mine ended up being a year and a half from start to finish because I just needed more time to to work through different sections of the book. And I had the help of my editor all along the way. Uh, So that was really an excellent uh, facet of, of this process and how NDP structures it. And, uh, it, it helped me in the end, get to the point I wanted to get to.
1: That's great to hear really. It it took a little longer to distill all of this information you've compiled over the years, but through working with the team, the structure, you found a way to get it done. So the Algerian dream, Andrew, what would you say for readers that might take this book? What do you hope that they take away from this and, you know, key message, key lesson that, that readers can take away?
0: That's a question that I was struggling with throughout the process of writing it. And and in the end, what I realized was I don't really need to write a book that has one simple, clear lesson for everybody to take away from this experience of Algeria. It's a huge country. It's a diverse country. And people are going to discover a lot of different facets of it in reading the book. And I think everybody's going to take away from it uh, what they want to take away from it. And in the end, I'm very comfortable with that, that it doesn't have a clear thesis of this is what you must think about Algeria at the end. Um, it's not really that kind of story. It's a bit more open-ended. And I think that in many ways that might make it more valuable to readers who want to draw their own conclusions.
1: To me, I'm getting the sense of this is a, a not necessarily, it's certainly focused on Algeria, but it's, it's really a human story. What do we want out of our lives? We all want to have a dream to be able to fill, to aim for something, to have hope. And it sounds like you captured that brilliantly here. Andrew, what a beautiful story. So great to learn learn about it. If people want to learn more about you and the Algerian dream, where, where might they go to do that?
0: Sure. So I have a blog online that uh, became a bit of a, of a hit among Algerians when I was when I was there. My writing about the country. Uh, started to become popular, this is what really gave me the idea initially to write this book many, many years ago. Uh, but the blog is called Ibn Ibn Battuta. It's named after a famous North African traveler. And so if you check out the link here, uh, Ibn Ibn Battuta.com, you will be able to uh, read a little bit more about some of my other travels, read a bit in detail about what I saw in Algeria, and also get information about the book and where you can pick up your own copy.
1: And I think your Instagram handle is the same,
0: correct? That's right. So across social media it's it's the same.
1: Outstanding. Great quote we have from one of your your fans, essential reading for anyone who wants to have a deep and nuanced understanding of the, the of the dynamics driving events in Algeria today. So Rodrigue, Algerian independence hero, author of Inside the Battle of Algiers. What a great story. Andrew What a fascinating story. Thank you for sharing it with me and sharing it with our listeners and and really the world today. It's going to be great to see this on Amazon here in just a couple of weeks. Thank you for being on the show.
0: Yeah, thanks, John. It was a real pleasure. And uh, thanks to you and the whole NDP community. I'm so excited to get this book out into the world. And uh, I just hope people will uh, take the plunge and, and decide to read about a place that they haven't heard about and see what they discover.
1: I love it. The Algerian Dream, Youth and the Quest for Dignity will be available early September 2021, wherever you buy books online. I'm your host, John Saunders. Keep moving forward.